Hello, and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. I'm Emma Bauer, the editor of GP Online. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Joe Wady and Nicola Davis, who are both practice managers and directors of the Institute of General Practice Management. This is a really fascinating conversation about the important role practice management plays. Joe and Nicola explain how and why they set up the IGPM and the Institute's new scheme for accreditation of practice managers. They also talk about their views about practice managers being excluded from NHS England's new to partnership scheme, how the role of practice management has changed in recent years and concerns about the numbers of practice managers leaving the profession. Before we start, for those listening with an interest in practice management, I'd just like to give a brief shout out to GP Online's sister website, GP Business. This is our dedicated resource for GP partners and practice managers, which aims to support best practice in leadership, management and finance within general practice. You can find the website at gpbusiness.co.uk. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Joe Wady, a practice business manager in West Sussex and chair of the West Sussex Practice Managers Association, and Nicola Davis, a practice manager in Truro and Cornwall. Joe and Nicola are two of four practice managers who set up the Institute of General Practice Management in 2021 to represent managers working in general practice across the UK. Thank you both for joining me today. Very welcome. Nice to be here. Yeah, lovely. Thank you for asking us. I wonder if you could just tell me a bit about both of you, you know, about your current roles and how you got into practice management. Joe, maybe you could start. So I've always been in the NHS but trained as a medical secretary originally and started off in general practice. And then I went to work in an acute trust for a few years, then went to work for PCT. And uh, then while I was working at the PCT, I took a master's in primary care and management because I realized I really wanted to get back into primary care, but I wanted to be a practice manager. And um, 16 years ago, um, I left um, West Sussex PCT and joined St. Lawrence Surgery in 2006, that is now. It's been fantastic. And I think the fact is I've um, been chair of West Sussex Practice Managers for since 2009. I've worked with CQC sort of very part time as well as sort of the specialist advisor. And all through my career, it's always been around patient and public involvement, but also about supporting practice managers and recognising just what a lonely place it can be sometimes for us all. And hence really why we developed the Institute of General Practice Management to try and help practice managers know that they're not on their own and that there is um, mentorship and, and we want to be able to have practice managers feeling valued and um, respected for the, the role that they do. Nicola, how about you? How did you get into practice management? Again, like Joe, I started off as a medical secretary, but uh, way back in the 1980s when the landscape of primary care was very, very different. This was before computers. I did shorthand and I sat and watched my practice manager direct everybody from her desk while she was drinking a coffee and and I just looked at that and I thought god that looks like an easy job I could do that (laughs) and then so lots of qualifications and and moving up the career ladder and, and down the country and I became a practice manager in the year 2000 at a practice in Gloucestershire and then moved down to Cornwall for the challenge of working in a very rural dispensing site. Joe, you were talking there about a bit about the Institute of General Practice Management. How did you actually get that off the ground? And you know, what are you aiming to do with it? 
So I've been working at a national level with a practice management network, the PMN it was called, and we were really literally just trying to influence um, NHS England. Um, so when those, you know, directed enhanced services come down and we look at it as practice managers and think, well, that will never work, we hoped that we would be able to actually try to influence before those that policy came down. Um, and so I'd been trying to work quite a lot nationally around that but was the, the group was becoming smaller and smaller because practice managers were retiring. And then the ultimate issue for us was the new to partnership scheme in that uh, the West Sussex practice managers were just appalled that practice managers weren't included in the new to partnership scheme. And when we asked NHS England why that was, they said it was because we weren't a profession. And so the West Sussex Practice Managers Committee said, Joe, you've just got to do something. What's going on? You've got to do something nationally. And so I contacted James Dillon, who's um, Practice Index, um, because I knew that he had a huge forum of sort of 14,000 plus practice managers on there. And so James put me in touch with Nick and Robin, who they did quite a lot of work with. Um, and I also knew Kay Keane through NAPC. So I contacted Kay Keane and we really just had a Teams meeting two years ago, Nick, I guess, wasn't it? And uh, that's how it started. So the new to practice partnership scheme, that is the kind of golden hello payment, which people can get if they take on a partnership and that covers doctors, but it also covers a whole other range of healthcare professionals, but it doesn't cover practice managers. Now, practice managers obviously have been taking on partnerships for quite a long time. I mean, they're not, there's not great numbers of them, but there are quite a few partners out there of practice managers. So what is your view, both of you, about the scheme not being available to practice managers? And have you had any conversations with NHS England or, or is there any movement likely on that, do you think? We're not confident that there is movement, Emma, to be perfectly honest. I think the uh, the first thing that we we felt a little bit aggrieved by it because the new to partnership scheme was opened to, and, and to be fair, it's open to clinical staff and we are not clinical, but we felt we'd be nudged out because it was being offered to new in post podiatrists or new in post pharmacists or, or whatever. And we felt, and, and certainly for those of us who've been in primary care for a very long time, that actually we we were a profession that was largely being ignored. We understood that there was this phrase, you know, it, it's only available to clinicians, but we did feel that that was unfair. And we felt that as a, a group of professionals, we could offer something to a partnership. And you're absolutely right. There are a lot of practice manager partners out there. For many of us, we couldn't go into partnership even if it was offered to us because of the financial implications. And, and that golden hello in inverted commas would be hugely helpful as, as part of that partnership application. We felt as if we were being discriminated against, as if we were being ignored as, you know, we're not the be and end all in primary care, but we are a very central cog to a larger organisation. And, and if we're not working, then the whole organisation doesn't work. And so we felt we should be included. And as Joe said, the reason was that we were not a profession. So we kind of took the bull by the horns and said, well, we're for very gobby, very bolshy practice managers. Let's see what we can achieve. And um, we are very pleased to say that today we have launched our accreditation programme, which means we have been formally recognised as the professional body for managers in primary care. 
I went back to NHS England and they they still saying the same thing, but they said they did mention that they were looking at an alternative offer for practice managers, which seemed very unclear. So I don't know if you've ever you've heard anything about that at all or not. I think we very definitely heard the same thing. They are looking at something else. We just don't know what that is. And I think we do have to balance this to say that since we had our first meetings with NHS England, where we were told we're not eligible, actually the workforce and development team specifically have been very inclusive of IGPM and we have been working with them very closely on a training programme for managers in primary care. Um, And they are developing that programme alongside our help and support to make sure that they offer the right sort of training. It's, it's all very well to say, well, you need finance training, but what does that actually mean in general practice? They have taken on board our concerns and they have listened to what we've got to say. We don't know what this alternative offer is and it'll be be greatly received if it, if it ever comes out. But um, the driver, it was this was very much the driver to set IGPM up um, and to say practice managers do need a voice. And when contract decisions are being made, we're, not, we're, we're never going to be able to sit at the top table. But it'd be nice if somebody asked us how something might work in general practice if it was to become a something, you know. And so at least we are now part of the conversation. It's true as well, isn't it, that Wales have actually now included practice managers in their new to partnership scheme, haven't they? So we're kind of hoping now that the accreditation has been launched and if practice and practice managers will now apply and become on a professional register um, and the fact that Wales have listened, we are hoping very much that maybe it will go back on the table for rediscussion and whether it's that or whether, like we say, it's an alternative, it would be great to have something to offer to practice managers to retain the ones that we've got and to attract more coming into the career. Practice managers are are pretty crucial, really, in the whole um, scheme of things in general practice. And even more so now as general practice and primary care has become more and more complex over recent years. Do you think there's generally enough understanding within the NHS or, or even primary care about the role of practice managers and how important they are? And is that something that you're trying to change? So I think often you say to people what you do for a living and they say, well, what does that actually mean? Surely you're just pushing a bit of paper around. And a lot of people who don't work in the industry are, are, are not clear. And certainly if you even, you know, clinicians who have only ever worked in secondary care just may not understand what the role of the practice manager is. I often say, you know, I'm I'm kind of chief cook and bottle washer. I sort of do pretty much everything. I I work in a very different practice to Joe, where there's only kind of me and an assistant and then and then lots of people beneath me. But I'm very hands-on. I see and talk to patients quite a lot. I have close links with my patient group. But without me to kind of coordinate and organise, then people will flail a little bit. You do need that rudder that's holding the organisation on the right path, dealing with all of the emails that come through from everyone and everybody, you know, with with all the different issues that are happening and and, and somebody who coordinates everything. And, um, and I think, you know, if we don't have practice managers, we, we will have rudderless organisations that will just disappear. And Joe, Joe, what's the setup where you work? Because one of the things I was going to going to ask you both is about, you know, to obviously I've mentioned there about how 
general practice has changed a lot in recent years. And obviously, there's this big trend towards bigger practices, more patients, more GPs, more staff of all kinds. How has the workload for a practice manager changed? And is it really a job that just one person can do in a practice? Such a good question, Emma. I mean, I, I help out as well on one day a week in just different practices where they, they need some extra support. And really, one size does not fit all. It's unbelievable. It really does depend on the size of the practice. So I've got nearly 16,000 patients. Um, and as a result of that, I've got a, a suite of managers that, that support me. So I've got a finance manager, an admin manager, a patient services manager. Um, and so I'm sort of spend my time managing the managers and looking more at the strategy, the business planning and, and, and talking to the patients. Where Nick, she's in a much smaller practice, so she will be doing much more of the hands-on as well um, because you just can't afford to have a suite of line managers if you're in a practice which is really less than seven, 8,000. And then I go in practices where really it definitely needs to be split. It needs to be split into operations manager and business manager. And it's very much, we're very much sort of jack of all trades, practice managers. We've got to sort of know how to do the operational day-to-day running of the practice, even running downstairs and, and making sure that the receptionists are okay when they've had a really tough call with a patient, right up to going to CQC big exec meetings and CCG meetings and trying to write bids for big building projects and that sort of thing. So, and practice managers can often be really, really good at the the HR and the marketing and the patient and public involvement or really, really good at the finance and the business and the strategy. And, and it's not it's not easy to be brilliant at all of that. And so sometimes when you go in practices, you do need to sort of sort of say, okay, what's your skills? What's your interests? And then actually what team do you need around you to support that? So with me, I'm not really very much into finance and Excel spreadsheets and things. So I have a finance manager that does that for me. And then we sit and we, and we meet monthly to go through budgets and things like that. Every single practice you go in, it's so different depending on what their skills are, how big it is, where it is, what their priorities are. Are they a dispensing practice? Are you rural? Are you urban? There's just so much. Um, and I just don't think that the NHS England get that, that, you know, that we, we are really quite unique in the way that we are. Definitely, because I, I kind of do everything from the accounts to right the way down to mopping up the sick, you know, and I don't have an upstairs. Joe has an upstairs. I don't even have an upstairs. <laughs> but you have a CVA. I do have a CVA, yeah. <laughs> With your accreditation, you're talking there, Joe, about how varied the kind of skills you might need to be a practice manager is. And how do you become accredited as a practice manager? And I was wondering whether you think there needs to be just more standardisation of training for practice managers. Yeah. And in fact, the training and development and accreditation are, are going to go hand in hand which which moving forward is is fabulous and this is where NHS England workforce team have really really come out of the the dark ages and 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 realized that standardization is is the way forward so the accreditation looks at 10 different domains from you know financial probity how you are with HR what your own qualifications are and it looks for to us, to evidence our skill set, what we've achieved. Um, And that can be all sorts of things, you know, how we got through CQC, you know, how we deal with complaints, how we manage our staffing issues, etc. Now, that document will then actually be able to be used as part of an appraisal process. So, it will help managers with their own professional development. 
But also, and really importantly, Health Education England have also come on board with an apprenticeship scheme for managers in primary care. And I think one of our aims today was to talk about recruitment of practice managers. And one of the other drivers to us setting up was was this huge drop in, in morale. And, and at the time we did a survey in autumn of 2020, over 55% of practice managers were looking to retire or resign within the next three months because they had just been so beaten down. COVID had had an impact, of course, but morale was just so low and they just couldn't see a way out. Health Education England came along and said, well, we're doing this apprenticeship scheme. And and I, at an NHS England meeting, suggested that we link the two together because if we get managers trained appropriately to a particular standard, actually then the GPs who are recruiting can see that that prospective manager has got the skills that they need in that general practice. You know, traditionally, you might get an ex-bank manager being recruited because they're good with numbers, but it doesn't mean that they're good with managing a team. It doesn't mean that they're good with managing patients. And you do have to be that jack of all trades. So working to a set of standards is going to be massively helpful it gives us some structure. It means that prospective managers only need to go to one place to look for training. You can get training all over the place. There are, there are so many providers out there who are offering really great courses, but actually does it mean that you can do the job? So to tie it all in as one package that you that is modular, so you do it perhaps even doing it on the job, on the job training, or doing it as an assistant and then looking to move into practice management. They need some local mentoring and coaching, which is something that Joe and I feel really strongly about. But it had to be standardised. You know, it's like asking an accountant to do, you know, one to do a GCSE and another to do an A-level and then somebody else to do a degree and expecting them all to be able to do the same thing. It doesn't work. So hopefully this is the start of the future of practice management. What a great thing to be getting off the ground. Joe. this training, would anybody be able to do this from any kind of background if they were interested in getting into practice management? Is that how it works? That's an interesting question, isn't it? I think you've really, you've got to have some sort of people's management skills for definite. I think it really helps to come from the public sector. The NHS is so complex in the way the funding is and everything. But I've certainly seen it work where people have come from, you know, banks and things like that Marks and Spencers there seems to be a lot of managers coming from Marks and Spencers now and they've been really good and they can bring a really sort of fresh eyes on it but that's where all of this training comes in for them then just for them to understand the complexities of the NHS but yeah no definitely we're desperate for managers from all different backgrounds skills and abilities really And, and that's why as Nick said it's just so imperative that we've got local coaching and mentoring and local practice management associations that people can reach out to when they're new in the job and they need some support or they're just having a really hard time but yeah as Nick said the accreditation really I I would explain it more as it's like a massive appraisal you're sitting there and you're actually demonstrating everything you're doing within 10 domains and the 10 domains are around sort of managing and improving patient services working with patients or leadership or workforce or finance so it's really just sort of sitting there going through and just demonstrating everything you do in order to meet those standards 
standards. And if, you know, you're really, really strong in seven or eight of those things and not so strong in the others, then you will get that feedback as part of the accreditation process. And then that will help signpost people to the relevant course for them, really. Um, and they'll get feedback for it. It's really exciting. And I think for the first time for practice managers to feel that they're on a register and they have a professional number and letters after their name will make people feel so much more valued in the profession they're in. It does sound like a big step forward. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, because I became aware of you from that campaign you ran last year about aggression in practice. It was a really, really, really powerful campaign. And obviously, we've been writing extensively about this rise in aggressive behaviour from patients. I just want to know, how does it impact on practice managers if you've got patients coming in and being aggressive on a regular basis? I mean, it certainly impacts on us a lot because we're obviously having to support our reception staff. And, you know, sometimes I go down and I actually pick up the phone or go on the desk sometimes to help out or just to be there. And I'm always amazed just how aggressive people can be. And um, and it just seems to be a growing problem, I think, through, since the pandemic. You know, we were the best thing since sliced bread when um, the pandemic was happening and we, we launched the COVID vaccinations and, you know, littered with sweets and chocolates and and we were like the heroes with the claps on the Wednesday night etc and then it just went completely full scale the other way and uh, you know you have receptionists in tears on a daily basis and and just resigning you know trying to to retain receptionists when they're dealing with that sort of abuse is um is is just impossible so it has a massive impact on us because we just spend our time trying to recruit and then retain them and 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 the training of a receptionist is is massive what they have to learn you know is incredible and um so we've taken to actually put a doctor in the room with the receptionist all day every day now so that they've got some backup and they love that so that you know every time a patient answers us you know if they can have an appointment with their doctor they take us a, a history and speak to the doctor and then if and if the doctor says oh it's a they can go to a pharmacy and the patient kicks off then the doctor is there as backup and we've had to go to that extreme to to keep receptionists and um, the doctors have just been absolutely overwhelmed so shocked just by listening to what they've having to go through. I do a huge amount on social media and there's always comments about the dragons on reception and things like that. You know, the the days of the dragon are gone, you know, but that but they there are still some people who see receptionists as as gatekeepers rather than signposters. So we want to signpost you to the most appropriate person the first time round. We don't want you to have a wasted journey thinking that you have to see a doctor when in fact you could have seen the physio sooner. We are not stopping you from seeing the doctor, but we want you to see the most appropriate person. But they are doing what the doctors have told them to do. So it's kind of like accept the system ask questions, give us information, and we will get you to what you need. It might not be what you want, but we will get you what you need. And that's a very subtle difference. I've heard from a few places that lots of practice managers are leaving their jobs at the minute just because of the pressure that they're under. Is this a widespread problem and is it something you're really worried about? It is. It is widespread and we are really worried. It is huge. Yeah, I think the problem is there are some practice managers who really have had enough and 
will hand in their notice and go off sick because they feel unable to stay in in post while they are recruiting a replacement. Now, for the manager leaving, that's a really sad place to be. For the manager coming in, if the GPs can recruit, they're then coming in without support, without handover. The worry for practices is if a practice manager hands in their notice and they get no applicants. There used to be a time when you'd have maybe 10, 15, 20 applicants. Now I have local colleagues where they have had one or two at best. And that's really worrying. It's, it's worrying for the future of, of primary care. Do you see the same in your area as well, Joe? Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing to think is we've just come out of a pandemic. We've had two years of having to set up COVID vaccination clinics to constantly readjust in the way we work with our staff, with our patients. And now everything that was protected for us in terms of payment and quaff and enhanced services and CQC not coming in anymore, etc. All of that has gone now. And now we've got to get back to be ready for a CQC inspection. We've got to get back to doing all these all these routine reviews that we haven't been doing for quite a long time. And people are knackered, if I'm honest. They're absolutely exhausted. They're going down with COVID still left, right and centre. We keep getting told it's okay, we're all through it. But actually, people are just getting ill with COVID all the time now. And um, I've got three off for my practice this week, including me now. So it's just, you know, we're not over, over or out of COVID, but we've now got a plan for another COVID vaccination programme and a flu clinic coming up and prepare for CQC and start to actually do all our routine back to work, the basic patient services again. And everyone's absolutely exhausted and morale's at an all-time low. So this is what the IGPM really want to do, to be able to say to practice managers, we're here, we're here, you know, please reach out to us. We've had a couple of emails, I'll never forget one of them, where she said, I was leaving. I literally had my notice written out and I was about to hand it in. But because of the IGPM, I've stayed and I'm really hoping and I'm staying really positive. So that's the sort of really good news that keeps us going. And that's really what's driving us. Because as Nick said, practice manager is the backbone of primary care and without them, patients suffer. So we've got to find a way to get these practice managers in and keep them there and make them feel valued and, and supported. And the other thing just to say on the back of what Joe said there is, you know, the four of us have created IGPM. We we haven't taken a penny out of this organisation at all. We're doing all of this on top of our full-time jobs. But that's because we feel so strongly and so passionately about the NHS and what it is there to deliver. And we are part of delivering that service. But we need to make sure that there are really good people behind the scenes, making sure that patients get what they need when they need it. You know, this this not-for-profit organisation will continue. We are exhausted, but we keep going. Also to say that our regional reps, I mean, they have been amazing. So we've got uh, nearly 30 regional reps across the UK. Um, and they, again, they have done all of this for, for nothing. That You know, literally lobbying the areas, you know, going to CCG meetings, going to LMC meetings, supporting their practice managers locally. And again, they've done all of this for absolutely no money whatsoever. So we're hoping with the launch of the accreditation, we might be able to start income generating to start paying people for some of the time um, and the work that they're doing but I think we've been I think bowled over by how well the four of us directors have just got on formed and supported each other well that's it for this week thanks so much for listening and thanks to Joe and Nicola for taking the time to speak to me I'm back next week when we'll have our regular news roundup 
In the meantime, you can keep up with all the news affecting general practice and access a wealth of other resources at our website at gponline.com. 